Good afternoon and welcome to Philanthropy Matters on WERALP Arlington, 96.7 FM. I am your host, Wanda Pierce, and I'm here today with Katie Crystal, the chairperson of the Arlington County Board. I am so honored to have you on the show to discuss this very important topic. We know you have a very full schedule, and I appreciate you taking the time to help our listeners learn more about Project Peace and maybe even how they can get involved in some way. Welcome. Hello. Very glad to join you. And we taped an earlier segment with Katie on philanthropy in Arlington, her thoughts on philanthropy, and then also kind of zoning in on as an individual, Katie, what she th- her thoughts on, on philanthropy. And then she agreed to do a second segment on Project Peace, which is one of the initiatives that uh, she is involved with here in Arlington and has a passion for. And so today's segment is going to focus on Project Peace. Before we get to the interview, I would like to tell you what the show is all about. It's called Philanthropy Matters because that's what I believe. What is philanthropy? Well, Webster's definition of philanthropy is its goodwill to fellow members of the human race, especially active efforts to promote human welfare. It's an act or a gift done or made for humanitarian purposes. Philanthropy literally means love of mankind. It's that simple. It's people donating millions of dollars. It's kids collecting canned goods. It's volunteering your time, donating your skills. And over the course of this show on philanthropy, we've been meeting folks involved in philanthropy in all sectors of our community. Social services, safety net providers, education, criminal justice, social justice, racial equity, youth development, affordable housing, homelessness, youth development, the arts, the environment, aging, and healthcare, among others. Today's topic is Project Peace, which is an organization or an initiative, I should say, designed to address and educate about domestic violence and sexual assault. And we're going to go into that interview in a minute, because first I want to talk a little bit about Katie's background. Now, it's a, it's a long bio. You can find it on the Arlington County website, but I do want to give those who don't have time to do that a little bit of information about Katie. She is the current Arlington County Board Chair, and she's a community advocate and public policy professional. She was first elected to the board in November 2015. She previously served as the chair of the county board in 2018. Uh, She's the co-chair of Arlington's Project Peace, which we'll be talking about today, an interagency collaboration to address domestic and sexual violence in our community. Regionally, she is um, an inaugural member of E Pluribus Unum Fellowship for Racial Equity. Katie, you can do the Latin translation. Nailed it, out of many one based out of New Orleans, this organization focusing on uh, racial equity, especially across the South. And that's so important that we have a county board chair who feels that's a very important topic and um, has joined this, uh, this initiative. And uh, she has a project that her fellowship project centers on grant making for equity practices and community needs assessments in the county. So that is going to really benefit us. Uh, she's also very involved in women's issues, including reproductive health, political representation, and support for survivors of sexual assault for over a decade. And as an aside, with our Supreme Court overturning Roe, mm-hmm. uh, this uh, 
reproductive rights issue obviously is very uh, you know important and we have i won't get into all the politics in virginia and virginia government but there we you know we have we need advocates there to make sure and very related to this topic today actually of sexual assault and domestic violence because reproductive coercion is a huge dynamic for those who are at risk of intimate partner violence absolutely and that's so key in our community and as you know all over the country there we're talking about this and it has really galvanized uh, a lot of people. But Katie's been working on this issue for a long time. She's so many large complex issues, multi-billion dollar issues, all of that sort of thing. But when it comes down to it, you know, you are caring about the individuals, those are, that are less fortunate, that are, you know, marginalized. And that is so appreciative. And I think today's topic and your involvement in that, it shows it. And I, I have to say, a few weeks ago, I went to the Arlington County Fair, and I was strolling down among the tables, and I saw uh, what, who I thought was Katie Crystal over at one of the tables, and I said, that can't be the county board chair over there at the, you know, manning one of the tables. Well, I just knew it wasn't her. And then I went over there, and it was. <laughs> so, I was so impressed that you were, you know, um, devoting your time. She was, uh, I know I know a lot of people were just going by. They didn't know it was county board chair. And she was just giving them individual attention, talking about the issues, making it plain, um, handing out various um, things to you know, information that people could take with them. Um, and then I noticed that when it was a young person, that she took an extra time to be able to make sure that she was able to, introduce age appropriate, you know, language and helping them. So I, I was very impressed and oh, so, you. You know, thankful that that's what you do. My husband was teasing me. It was just a throwback to my days of, you know, manning the, the peer advocacy table <laughs> and then in, in college 20 years ago, right? Trying to talk to people about healthy relationships and campus sexual assault. And, and see that, I am so impressed with that because I really do feel that, you know, sometimes when people get in positions of power, they may forget <laughs> exactly, you know, just, you know, the, the basic things, because they have so many other things to do that, you know, going back to the grassroots things that really motivate them, sometimes they just don't have the time to do, but you have found it, so thank you. With that, let's talk about Project Peace. Katie, share with us first a little bit of information about this topic, and then how Project Peace came about. Absolutely. So one of the things that um, I think is is universally recognized as best practice when it comes to having a good community response to incidents of intimate partner violence, domestic violence, sexual assault, is that you need interagency coordination, which sounds like one of those governmental buzzwords, um, but it really makes a difference when a survivor of sexual assault or somebody who might be in a domestic violence situation reaches out it really matters that if they call 911, they get a police officer who is trained to look for um, signs of domestic violence and takes a case seriously if so. It really matters that if that police officer and when that police officer makes a referral um, uh, uh, to the special victims unit within um, our prosecutor's office, um, that that prosecutor to whom they're referred knows about the full complement of services available in terms of counseling or housing, so that if the if the survivor doesn't actually want to move forward within the criminal justice system, they still get access to all of those benefits. 
it's really important that, um, you know, to, to sort of go down the chain here that that community-based provider of emergency services um, also has good relationships with um, the, the housing providers and others within the community that might be able to help that survivor um, re-enter into the community and deal with all of the challenges that can face him or her from housing to childcare um, uh, and other needs. So really making sure that at every step of the process of community response and then ensuring that the, the prevention response is coordinated that the public schools are at the table with child and family services, for example, um, that uh, community advocates like our Commission on the Status of Women are connected to our community-based providers of services, know one another and do the outreach, that we're bringing youth voice to the table. Our Healthy Relationships Task Force, for example, um, is part of our team network board, which is how um, students talk to each other in a peer-to-peer -peer basis about what a healthy relationship looks like and what might be warning signs. The integration of all of those things is so important and it's hard, it's hard, because if you are working in one of those agencies, be it a Commonwealth Attorney's Office, a police department, DHS, APS, you know, fill in the blank, you have a ton on your plate. You have a ton on your plate. And so understanding the full landscape of something that might touch your work, but is not exclusively your work, can be really hard. And so Project Peace was formed um, some number of years ago, actually, by one of my predecessors on the county board, Barbara Favola, who's actually been a great champion for these issues, to provide a place for that kind of coordination. And Project Peace works at a few different levels, not to get too deep in the weeds of its governance structure, but we have the, the kind of doers, the implementation task force. Um, that's folks like, you know, a sergeant in our police force or, um, you know, a, a, a leader within Doorways, um, which is our community-based organization, really working on the specifics of, okay, what is our prevention plan? What are the, the, the initiatives we're going to prioritize? And then we work at a leadership level, and that's what I have the, the privilege to chair. We call it the Leadership Roundtable, and that is the head of all of those agencies. It's our DHS director, our police chief, the sheriff. Um, it has included historically judges from our domestic juvenile and domestic relations court, and that's folks saying, like, you know, you've got the decision makers, and we are going to prioritize getting a protocol signed for how we're going to take firearms away from abusers once that became legal in the state, um, you know, or, or, or similar activities to, to really make sure you know, that you've got both the doers there and the decision makers there operating at multiple levels. Um, and I could talk for days about some of the good partnerships that have resulted from that, but the whole thing is about that interagency coordination and making sure ultimately that there's no wrong door when somebody reaches out for help. That's great. And so uh, this coalition, is there like a set amount of times that it meets? Yeah, absolutely. So the Leadership Roundtable meets on a quarterly basis to review the progress that's happening across the Implementation Task Force. And the Implementation Task Force does its work within, generally speaking, three areas, which are prevention, immediate response, and ongoing services. Um, and depending on what they're working on, they uh, can meet as frequently as, you know, every couple of weeks. Um, we oftentimes they've been oriented really around specific projects which arise from needs. So Project Peace is very data-driven, which I really respect and appreciate, very driven by you know, best practices. So um, a great example of a project that came out of Project Peace um, was the, the recognition that uh, by our JDR judges actually, that uh, there were situations where there was maybe a domestic violence situation within a family, but the, but the parent, um, the abuser still has parental rights to see their children. But, and if you are a family with a lot of resources, there are mediators that you can hire to do that in a safe, conducive way. 
if you're a family without resources, a lot of these handoffs or visits were happening in say McDonald's parking lots, right? And so there was a recognition that what we really needed was a safe trauma-informed space, um, you know, with uh, folks with subject matter expertise and experience working with families to, to have these kinds of supervised visitations and exchanges. Um, and so our ongoing services group worked on this for months um, to ultimately get grants to be able to open that center um, that's now part of the DHS uh, plaza at Sequoia. So meeting somewhat, you know, driven by what they're working on. Okay. Yeah, I saw on the on the website that it said the Arlington Safe Havens place at at, at DHS. Right. And so, I'm just curious when you get a grant like that, is that something, you know, if it's a three year grant, you know, what happens after that? Is that the county where they're able to step? Oh, in? that's a great question. <laughs> that's a that's been a really live conversation, actually, because um, unfortunately, uh, Safe Havens initial grant. Um, was not re-upped. And so the county has at times stepped in. It has since been re-upped uh, with, the, with the federal government. Um, but but this is definitely something that I think is endemic, not only to um, Project Peace, but really to a lot of our human services, which is that you get the federal government interested or something and the state interested in something, um, but they're not necessarily interested in funding it on an ongoing basis, which can be fine if, if the costs associated with it are the capital, right? The, the building out of a space um, like Safe Havens um, can be a little more challenging if it's about um, uh, funding the, the salaries, the professionals. But um, I think that's part of the reason it's been really important to have these relationships at a local level. You know, um, one of the things that we've seen, unfortunately, is the Victims of Crime Act, VOCA, um, is one of the major, federally, one of the major funding streams for um, domestic violence shelters and providers. Um, and, and interestingly enough, that is funded by court fees associated um, uh, uh, with um, legal cases. And as you know, more cases go to plea bargains, there are fewer court fees and restitutions to fund that stream, which is a good thing, but we've actually seen huge fluctuations and sometimes um, very sudden drying up of VOCA resources. So having those good relationships as a county so that the director of doorways can reach out to me and the DHS director and other partners to sort of say, how are we going to solve this? What are our priorities for, for continuing services? Yet another reason having that coordination is really important. Oh, that's important. You mentioned doorways. We had um, two years ago, we had the um, executive director of doorways. At that time, it was Caroline Jones. I know now it's Diana Ortiz That's right. on to talk about the important work. And I was, I remember being surprised by, you know, the extent of, you know, the issue even here in Arlington. Mm -hmm. And yes. it's one that's not like plastered all over the newspaper or, you know, it's not right. something that everyone knows about because part of it is that it is kind of, everything has to be confidential. You want confidential because to protect the victims, but at the same time, um, the greater community may not understand the magnitude of the problem. We'll just assume that that's not a problem here in Arlington. Mm -hmm. so, the shame uh, and stigma are also very real. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And um, so, I mean, I'm glad that there's a huge um, education uh, portion on that, but would you just say, just in general, just so people know, um, the victims of domestic violence. I mean, is there any particular type of population that that there are more uh, victims or is it across all, you know, across all? It appears across socioeconomic levels, races, religions. Um, absolutely. And and I think, you know, it's that's not to say that, um, you know, folks as different identities can sometimes inform in intersectional ways, right? If you are a um, 
very low income family, you know, sometimes when you are staying with abuser out of economic necessity, if you come from um, a, a culture in which um, uh, women, for example, are, don't generally work outside the home, right, that might create a different set of circumstances. If you are in an LGBTQ relationship, right, um, ensuring that there are services available that, that feel like they speak to you and are not just about you know, that, that sort of historical language of, well, men are the ones doing the um, victimizing and women are the victimized. We, we know that's not true. That's going to show up in, in how you experience it. But the issue itself of intimate partner violence um, absolutely cuts across uh, communities and, and happens in all of our neighborhoods here in Arlington. Absolutely. Um, and it's unfortunate, but it, it is the reality. And I'm glad that the county is um, bringing together so many different types of organizations and folks to, to focus on it. Is there data and information about what's going on, the magnitude of the problem, or is, is this something that is more like internal to all of the different agencies that are? Yeah, we've made a, uh, tried to do a big push um, to share more of the, of the workings of Project Peace with the community. Um, and so if you go to arlingtonva.us and search um, intimate partner violence, sexual violence, it'll take you to um, our Project Peace home, homepage. Most importantly, and the message we most wanna get out there is that help is available. So if um, people don't wanna engage with anything else uh, about Project Peace or this issue, they should know um, that help is available, that people can call 703-237-0881 um, or again, search intimate partner violence. Um, call that hotline 24 hours a day uh, run by our partners at Doorways. And again, that kind of no wrong door um, right. approach uh, is whether you frankly experience, I mean, one of the things that's interesting to go on a little bit of a tangent, um, a lot of uh, service providers saw an uptick after the Brett Kavanaugh hearings when Christine Blasey Ford shared her story for a lot of survivors, it triggered memories. It caused them to reach out for help for the first time, maybe in a long time. So you might be calling because you're interested in therapy for something you experienced 10 years ago, and we have services for you. You might be calling because you are in an intimate partner violence situation right now, and you need immediate supports for yourself or other family members. Um, the whole spectrum is there. So, so we want that that number to be there. We always say like we have all of these complicated machinations right. behind the scenes so that it is incredibly straightforward for everybody um, to just call that one number 703-237-0881 and we will get you connected to wherever you need to be. But if you are interested in following along with some of that data, understanding we work off of what we call a blueprint um, right. uh, about where Project Peace is going, um, you can learn about um, uh, our commitments recently to um, anti-racism and LGBTQIA accessibility within our partnerships, um, all, all on that website. Um, uh, and you can see um, more of our protocols for, again, kind of how, how it works behind the scenes, right, to get you connected to the right place. So again, um, arlingtonva.us and search um, Project Peace or Intimate Partner Violence, either will get you to the right place. That's great. And if somebody has a question about, if someone's suspecting someone of it and they want to be able to get advice or, mm -hmm. or to alert someone, but they're nervous about, oh, if I call the police, uh, you know, you know, that might create a, a, a big situation with a friend or a family member. Is there a way to at least talk it through or get some information on, you know, what's the right step? That's a great suggestion. It's a great question because oftentimes these things do feel like a gray area. We see that both, you know, with, with domestic violence and partner violence, but also with sexual assault. I mean, one of the most common things that, that survivors experience is 
you know, I, I might want to get help, but I don't know that I want to bring charges. And mm-hmm. as an aside, you know, I think nationally, you look at the way our criminal justice system tends to treat survivors of rape. And I think that's a reasonable um, hesitation that people have, but they do know that they, that they want services. Um, and so that's why it's really important for us to, to communicate that the hotline that I've been sharing goes to our domestic violence and sexual assault partners at doorways. It is not calling 911. Um, if you know from upfront that you, you know, don't want the first call to be the police, um, again, maybe because you have questions about how to help somebody, you're not sure what you're seeing, or maybe because you just want to know what your options are before you pursue a criminal justice path, um, that, that number will connect you to the community-based provider and they can help direct you accordingly. Um, there are also resources on our website about you know, some of the signs of domestic violence and what to look out for. Um, and this is where a lot of our um, uh, prevention work, that, that group yeah. one I was talking about with intimate partner mm-hmm. violence, just making sure. sure that there are partners that people can ask around the community, um, especially for young people. That's really important. We talk about having askable adults, right? Um, when yes. Concerned yes. that a friend might be in a situation there that doesn't seem to be headed the right direction and that type of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Talk, talk a little bit about that ask, askable adults, because I remember some of the things that you hand out, there was like this one pen that somebody was handing out the table that said askable adults and you can pull it open and see a, a, a list of things. So just can you talk about what what it, what it, that actually is, Askable Adults? Absolutely. Case? So Askable Adults is actually, it's a pro, initiative of Project Peace, but it does expand to, to um, other um, risk behaviors or mental health behaviors um, that, that might affect uh, young people like, you know, drugs and alcohol or um, uh, suicide and that type of thing. So um, we have launched the Askable Adult Campaign because we know, right, data suggests that one of the most common factors that help young people develop and maintain resilience in the face of some of those challenges um, is having at least one adult in their life, um, a parent, a caregiver, or someone unrelated to them whom they trust to go to with, with challenges. And so our goal is to create as many askable adults in the community that we can. Um, so there are workshops that we have uh, that are starting, I think actually around now, um, to, to help adults understand for individuals, you can sign up a, um, a, a group or a PTA, for example. Um, the first one actually is uh, Arlington Mill Community Center. If you, um, arlingtonva.us, search askable adults. Um, and, and so it's really about um, you know, the listening skills, making sure you know what resources are available. Um, and we're also distributing a lot of, of um, uh, written materials in English, Spanish, Mongolian, Amharic um, to, to talk about what an askable adult is and the resources you might need to become one. Oh, that's awesome. And, and if someone's interested in volunteering, they can be trained. If someone Absolutely. Like, might want to do, you, you can get training and then volunteer. Yes, um, yes, you probably are working with young people. And so even if you aren't a parent or a teacher, being an askable adult is something that, that really can, can matter for a lot of volunteers. And you, if you're having these group trainings too, so you don't have to do it on your own. You can that's get, right. Get a group, get right. a group together and say, hey, we're going to do that. Or maybe they can go to either PTA meetings or other meetings that, and 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 you know, bring the training there as well. So that's awesome. In our last uh, couple minutes, I, I would like to talk a little bit about uh, youth and teens and how we're um, we're trying to reach out if there's any special initiatives that this uh, task force is doing to reach them. And one of the things that gives me a lot of hope is how far things have come over the past mm-hmm. couple of decades with regards to youth attitudes about sexual right. assault. Mm-hmm. It is by no means, you know, um, uh, perfect. 
much more about creating cultures um, mm-hmm. of mutual respect and that this is a whole continuum, right? Mm-hmm. Um, of, of what a, um, a, a consent looks like in actual um, intimate interactions, but also what respect and safety within a relationship look like. Um, and our, our teens are amazing messengers for this. They're really credible um, to, to their colleagues or their, their fellow students. Mm-hmm. Um, and they really understand this in an intuitive way that gives me a lot of hope. Um, really, one of the things that, that youth are great at educating each other on is that there's actually really no such thing uh, as um, consent, a consensual sexual interaction if somebody is too drunk or impaired to function. It's just an amazing group of young people. The Healthy Relationships Task Force that leads on this is now part of the Teen Network Board, which Yes. My goodness, one of the most inspiring groups in Arlington of young people working on all kinds of issues, um, but but that peer-to-peer education. They also had a table at the county fair. Um, they are out in the schools, high schools, and, and sometimes even middle schools um, to make sure that they're that the adults in their school um, understand what, what healthy relationships look like too. By the way, the name Project Peace is actually, Peace is actually an acronym for Partnering to End Abuse in the Community for Everyone. So Project Peace, Partnering to End Abuse in the Community for Everyone. As you can see, it's a powerful collaborative initiative that the county is behind and that has had good results and it's reaching all sectors of our community and also has opportunities for our listeners to get involved. And again, as Katie said, go to the the ArlingtonVA.us website and you can search Project Peace. Katie, can you give us the phone number one more time? I can. It is number for Arlington's Domestic and Sexual Violence Hotline is 703-237-0881. Great. Thank you so much. I truly appreciate the time that you took to come and talk with us about Project Peace and its impact and uh, how people can, can, can get involved. And thank you for all you're doing in this area. We really appreciate your leadership. And so um, if anyone is interested in suggesting new topics or speakers to come on the show, you can reach us at um, emailing us at yourphilanthropymatters at gmail.com. And thank you. And always remember, your philanthropy matters.